Today's episode is brought to us by the illustrious Dario Finelli. You might recognize him from... Okay, I'm kind of being facetious. He apparently has one other credit. Ever. So this is it. This is his foray into fiction. At least, that we have official records of. Might be a pen name, might be someone who never got into again, who knows. I can see, though... In the animated series, they really wanted to make it so that people only did one episode each, or at most, two episodes each. So, it feels logical that they would try for the absolute first extreme of that, of get someone who's never written anything else ever, and then get them to write one episode of TAS. I'm actually only kind of being facetious. There was a thing where one of the writers wanted to work on several other episodes, and they said, no, you already did one. Then Margaret Armand was given a second, Armand, I always say her name wrong, uh, was given a second episode. And that raised some heckles. It's like, okay, well, now I should get a second episode too. Why that rule? Of all things, that feels like the weirdest thing to make into an actual rule. Oh, don't mistake me. I like variety in the writing room too. It's one of the reasons why the Trek Rewrite Project is something that's workshopped and we kind of toss ideas around and see what sticks. And indeed, if I was the mainliner of a particular show or series or whatever, which I hope to be someday, I would absolutely get buy-in from people, you know, get the community going and say, hey, you know, what do you think about this? What do you think about this? But the idea of restricting that, ah, sorry, sorry, you're at your cap, you can't write any more episodes, that feels weird. It's doubly amusing, though, when you compare that to Enterprise. I forget the exact sequence. I've already talked about that in videos that would have gone live like a year ago at this point that I recorded not too long ago from my perspective. But in Enterprise Season 1, I believe there was a 19, question mark, string of episodes that were all written by Berman and Braga. Berman and Braga. Mostly Braga. Just slamming them out in you know factory press worker style. <laughs> Interesting contrast. I wonder how the new track does it. Anyways, <clears throat> so. Thank you for the help. We hope for lots of cooperation and peacefulness in the future. By the way, here's a warrant for McCoy's arrest from an event from 19 years ago. It's been approved by the Federation Council. Now, this is all stupid, but I gotta pause to comment on that last part. The Federation approved of McCoy legally being taken in for trial for the ma for mass murder for 19 years ago. Now, do you think, A, the Federation Council legitimately thinks McCoy did it, B, didn't even look at the thing and just rubber stamped it, or my personal favorite, C, was so peace happy and treaty happy that they decided to go ahead and be like, oh yes, we'll do anything, anything at all, please bend over backwards, lip boots, lip boots. Now, that hasn't really been Star Trek's, excuse me, the Federation's overall approach in TOS, but this is TAS, and I've already established several connecting ties behind the scenes and creatively between TAS and Season 1 of TNG, which is when the Federation was at its most bend-over-backwardsy with regards to their diplomacy. You can decide for yourself if that's a coincidence. Either way... <clears throat> so, they, uh... What happens is a sequence of events that make no sense. 
This is probably one of the worst constructed episodes of TAS. I legitimately sat here for a good minute and a half just debating if this qualified as lamentation. In terms of actual writing, just capacity, uh, storyboarding sequence of events, um, plot construction, characterization, this is the worst written episode of TAS I've seen so far. It lacks some of the oomph that make that usually qualifies for lamentation status, which is why I have this time deliberately decided not to set up the lighting. But this is still Drac. So, they want to investigate something here. Okay, no problem, no problem. We could give them permission to... Or, or, hear me out. Let's send a covert ship to go attack them. Oh, well, they haven't given us the legal grounds to attack them. All right, well, let's try to sneak on board. What was the end game here? What was the goal? The guy even pulls a frickin' gun on Kirk and Spock. I'm sorry, what? And this is all to prevent them from investigating the case they're looking into. A case they've already acquiesced to the legality of, and are simply trying to work to determine the truth of. Now, I see why they wouldn't trust them, but if you don't trust them, then why do you send one guy in one ship with one gun to take on a Constitution-class heavy cruiser? So... I mentioned, you know, the new rules of lamentation state that a lamentation may have good things in it. Obviously, this is not a lamentation. But I only mention that because the following scenes would not have you know, pulled this out of lamentation status. Because the, the episode somehow actually got a grin out of me, like, three times in a row. First, oh, wait, no, he'd, he'd, he'd try to sneak on board. That would be his preferable approach. Ah, it's, and he would most likely do so since we so carelessly left the hangar bays open. We haven't done that. Oh, yeah. Sulu, could you correct that unfortunate oversight? All right. You got me there. And then, oh, Mr. Spock, please feel free to remember to report me to the Federation outpost as soon as you can. Oh, we can't. We're out of range. I will go send you. Um, That's the second one. And the third one is, I will report to the Federation. Yeah, sorry, you're a stowaway, so we're going to impound your vessel. Sorry. <laughs> I'll admit, you got a chuckle out of me from all three of those points. However, I do have to point out the absolute bonkers insanity of the idea that someone actually thinks they could just sneak on board a starship in plain view of everyone, which is already insane. But then there's the fact that while he was on approach, the aft bay opened for no reason. I mean, granted, these are not exactly smart people, but this is part of the problem. Some of the worst of Trek, in my opinion, isn't the stuff that's actually, you know, disgusting or horrible or whatever. And I know, personal preference. It's more the stuff that is just aggressively stupid that tends to bother me the most. It's why Threshold still sits at my worst, well, tied for my worst Star Trek episode of all time. Because it is so aggressively stupid. Because it is insulting to actually sit here and watch that episode and be like, I'm sorry, what? And this episode is the same way. Not as bad, obviously, since this one didn't get the lamentation label, but you could see why I was putting it in consideration. They're idiots for thinking McCoy could do this. He's an idiot for thinking he could sneak on board. They're an idiot for beaming down without any kind of scanning or planning for the situation. And then... They go in and they find the, the freak out, freak out dude is like, rah, but then they see the one survivor who was cured last time and it's like, okay. Oh, and by the way, they keep mentioning this aurora for some reason. Ignore it though. Anyways, totally unrelated. The symptoms for this disease are changing colors of the skin. <sighs> then the plague spreads like wildfire amongst them. Okay. Cool. 
And there's also a mention of The Walking Dead. That's cool. He also has a dumb line that that plagues seldom leave behind fields of flowers. Actually, that's kind of the opposite of true. You know, the bodies, nice, uh, nice soil enrichment. I'm just saying, if you're going to be hyperbolic, you might as well at least try to be close to accurate. Now, you, you could have been like, plagues seldom leave behind the sweet smell of pine or something like that if you wanted to go with a similar line. Or you could just not do the dumb line, because almost all the dialogue in this episode is terrible, with the three exceptions I mentioned earlier. This then leads to Spock being able to effectively run the ship by himself. Now, not literally, there's other people kind of at their stations, but for not the first time, I find myself wondering what the heck is the point of the other 400 people on this ship. Some of you may or may not remember I asked that question back during TOS, and I decided to do a deep dive on the why there, because it was something that, from a world-building perspective, I was thinking about for my setting. Why have such a large crew? The answer, I'll go ahead and give you the summary. I, I did a lot of research on this and polled a lot of people on this, too, and actually looked into documents on how real-life aircraft carriers are made and stuff like that. The answer that I came down to is actually really simple. Backups and redundancy. Having all those people there aren't really necessary for running the ship. In fact, you could probably run the ship with about five to ten people, depending on how you split them up. But the other people, they're there for all the other things. When a random short happens, or when there's a circuit breaking, or just general maintenance to make sure everything is nice and smooth and repaired, and the casings are lined, and there's no cracks, and there's no leaks, and all that stuff that just goes into making sure everything is working normally, that's what the other 400 people, 350 people are there for. And that actually made sense to me. So... Believe it or not, I'm not going to ding the episode for this, because the idea that Spock and, like, three other people can run the ship for a brief period of time in an emergency situation actually makes perfect sense to me. If anything actually went wrong, they'd be screwed, but you get my point. I also feel bad for Sulu. Spock's like, hey, order General Order 6. And Sulu's like, very well, I will very slowly exposit to you what General Order 6 is to you, the person who just ordered it of me. This is a very blatant example of As You Know, because as we've already pointed out, all the dialogue in this episode is stupid. Moving on. So this then leads to Spock saying that I am going to go down to rescue McCoy. After all, I can't infect the planet. Hold up. That's might, might be true, but you'd think Spock would at least acknowledge the fact that it's probably untrue. Just because you are someone who is not affected by a disease does not mean you are someone who does not carry it and cannot spread it. That's not how that works. That, that's true amongst us, when we're the same species, never mind amongst different species. So the stupidity just keeps coming, I swear to God. So Spock goes down and, and breaks out McCoy. Okay. And this, this leads to some really bad dialogue that tries to understand the dynamic between McCoy and Spock and fails at it miserably. I'll come back to that. And then this this really pissed me off. And this was the exact moment I was like, I'm gonna I'm gonna consider this for lamentation status, because this whole episode has been stupid. But then they go through all this risk and all this effort to bring McCoy up because he's the medical doctor and he's the expert and he's deal, dealt with this plague before, right? Then, as he's diagnosing it, Kirk figures it out. Kirk, who is in the terminal phase, to quote the episode directly, who is on the verge of death, puts together what's going on with the Aurora. 
Then Spock is the one who actually processes the rest of the problem. It's like, okay, well, now that we've figured out what's causing the pigmentation, we can check for the actual disease. And, you know, you did cure that one Saurian. Do you have that on board? McCoy does nothing. He, he's a pill dispenser. I can't... What? You're kidding, right? No, no, we're not kidding. Then they go to the thing where it's like, we'll let go all the legal ramifications of the jailbreak and the attempted attack on your ship if we all just call this one a draw. And Kirk's probably just like, you know, I just want to get the hell out of here, so sure, fine, whatever. Then, just to close the episode out in the most face-palmingly way possible, they have a scene between Spock and McCoy. Now, I'm going to speak genuinely for a moment, okay? I'm not super good at writing dialogue, but I have studied writing dialogue quite a bit. And what I know most of all is how to do it well. Well, let me just I know how to identify when it's done well, and I know how to identify when it's done very poorly. If you are ever having an interest in writing dialogue in theater, in television, in movies, in, in books, in just fan fiction, in something you just do for fun on the side, video games as well is another one, please do me a favor. Watch this episode. You don't have to watch the whole thing. Fast forward to the end when they're doing what is the closest thing to a coda and look at the dialogue between Spock and McCoy and don't do that. Now, I know that sounds like a joke, but I want to make this very clear. I'm going to put a pin in this in my memory and use this going forward as an example of bad dialogue. The pacing of it is bad. The structure of the lines is bad. Any kind of actual charisma or chemistry is completely absent from two actors and characters who have wonderful chemistry and charisma with each other. This is terrible dialogue. And then it leads into a fake laugh track and, of course, the meme thing that everyone is always aware of. This is probably the only reason people even remember this episode right here. This is terrible. A one-off, as I would describe it. As a reminder, it's Lamentation, one-off, two-off, three-off. This is a one-off. This is crap. And if it wasn't for the fact that it lacks an additional oomph to really push it over that line, this would absolutely be a lamentation. What the hell is going on, TAS? You weren't bad. Like, legitimately, I've been impressed by the quality of TAS. That's probably damning. It's not exactly great, and I probably won't watch almost any of these episodes ever again. There's like three I'm going to rewatch if I ever want to in the future. But still, this has been nowhere near as bad as I thought, and then we get to this? But that's okay, because that lines up, doesn't it? Remember TOS. Now, if you remember, when I went through TOS Season 1 and 2, while there were some stinkers, there was some really great stuff there. Then we hit Season 3. Now, 3 bounced up and down a lot. There were actually some legitimately great episodes in Season 3. But the overall quality just did a noticeable nosedive in Season 3. And I feel like that's what TOS tends to get remembered for amongst people who are not specifically Trek fans or classic Trek fans or whatever, right? They remember the stuff that gets memed. That's how memes work. You know, memetic memory or however you want to think of that. So... I find myself thinking that I myself have been victim of this same problem, that when I think of TAS, I think of Season 2. And the the magics of Magus 2, because holy crap. <laughs> what do you think? Honest question. Either way, that is all I've got for this episode. Hope you've enjoyed. We're getting close to the end already. And uh, that means we're going to be wrapping up soon. I think Enterprise might have finished by now. I'm not sure the exact timeline. But we're going to have a whole wrap-up thing... Uh, of both TOS, Enterprise, and TAS in a few weeks here when we're done with that. And we'll see what happens after that. 
I'm doing these very, very, very far in advance on purpose because, you know, life changes and show structure changes and I'm focusing more on the streaming side of things. So you know how it is. But either way, I should shut up and let you move on and I will see you next time.